this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. The cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. Dad's Basement. It's me here with you once again for another fine Friday edition of this podcast. No, I haven't come up with a new name yet. I've been very busy over the last few days. All right, there's a lot of things I want to accomplish, things I got to get done before I go back into the working world, namely playing Donkey Kong Countries 2 and 3. So once I get done with that, then maybe we'll get around to the name thing, okay? Get off my back. All the same, I do hope you had a wonderful week, and then I hope you have a wonderful weekend coming your way these next couple days. You know, you can lay it out in front of you. Maybe you got some real cool activities coming up. Maybe, just maybe, like many people, one of those activities will be going to the movie theater. That's right. Box office is back, baby. Movie theaters live. Streaming is dead. The multiplex has its moment. Oh, good God. Even 80 for Brady is making money. That's a movie about four old ladies running a train on Tom Brady. And people are paying to see it. People are going back to the movie theater, ladies and gentlemen. And that is a very exciting thing. You know, you got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, $225 million start at the global box office. Oh, my God. But the big news, of course, coming out of, of the Hollywood trades last week was that I believe it was on... I want to say it was Monday, maybe, or Tuesday, one of those one of those days. Avatar The Way of Water, the sequel to the classic Avatar. Avatar The Way of Water increased its worldwide total gross to $2.243 billion, making it the third highest grossing worldwide film ever, sinking Titanic down to fourth. Must be tough to be James Cameron, huh? And what's really impressive about Avatar The Way of Water making so much money is it's doing it despite the fact that a lot of really cool people on Twitter don't care about it. Hard to believe. Hard to believe that uh, the opinions of someone with a name like Cinema Cumstain or something don't necessarily represent the opinions of the world at large. Hard to get your arms around, I know. But it's, it's undeniable, folks, despite its lack of cultural footprint, just ask someone who wants to tell you about it, the Avatar film series continues to just dominate the box office, the third highest grossing film of all time. And that means, you know, kind of invariably, it's the third greatest movie of all time, right? I mean, listen, we live in a capitalist world. It's about making money. It's about stacking paper, cheddar, whatever you want to call it, that's what it's about. So if a movie is making, you know, $2.243 billion. doesn't really matter what the critics think. doesn't really matter what you think or I think. The world thinks it's pretty darn good, and they're paying to see it. So, you know, we kind of that settled fact then. Third greatest movie of all time, Avatar The Way of Water. Is that fair? I don't know. Because think about it. You know, in the 30s, movies cost like a nickel. 
Now you, you got to pay $90 just to go to a regular theater to see Avatar The Way of Water. So is that skewing the box office numbers? It seems like it might. That's why it's impossible to make a, a empirical decision as to what the greatest film of all time is. It's nothing to do with personal taste or any of that stuff. It's just, you know, the tricky business of sort of organizing, ranking, and, and, and pitting them against each other. It, it, it's almost something that seems perfectly fit for a bracket. And that's what we're doing here today on Cool Dad's Basement. We're doing a bracket, and in that bracket, we are going to take eight movies, and we're going to pit them against each other. And at the end of that bracket, we will determine what the greatest movie of all time is. Settled fact. Scientific data. Now, are we just going to go based on the top eight worldwide domestic grosses? No, I don't, I don't think so. What are they doing in France? You know, I, how am I supposed to figure that in? No. So are we going to go with the top eight domestic grosses of all time? Hell no. This isn't a xenophobic program. We got listeners all over the globe. I would never want to, you know, not include someone like that. And for the same reason for our elderly listeners out there, I don't want them to feel, you know, just because they, when they were alive, movies cost a nickel and people died of the flu. You know, that doesn't mean that their movie shouldn't be represented. So there's only one way to get down to it. There's only one way to settle it, and that's by using the top lifetime adjusted for inflation gross to determine which, are, uh, which eight films are going into our bracket field. That's right. We're going to use top lifetime, so includes all re-releases, adjusted gross. And that is where we're going to pull our list from, and that, is where we will determine our number one greatest movie of all time. Who are the competitors? Eight household names. Eight names that are on the, you know, they're on the lips of every film fan, casual to serious across the globe. Number one, Gone with the Wind. Number two, Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope. Number three, The Sound of Music. Number four, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Number five, Titanic. Number six, the Ten Commandments. Number seven, Jaws. Number eight, Dr. Zhivago. Okay, let's start off here with number two, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope against Jaws, number seven. Now, you want to talk about cultural footprint. Star Wars left quite a Wookiee-sized one now, didn't it? And I think when you really put it all together and you look at it, it is a net loss for humanity. We got a couple of good movies, a lot of bad ones, and some of the just the worst people you'll ever meet. I don't want to be rude. Uh, I'm just being honest. A lot of Star Wars fans are pretty terrible. And I, I ask you to name one negative stereotype you have in your head about Jaws fans. There are none. Oh, what, what, they're all dads. That's the toughest job you'll ever love, fatherhood. Toughest job you'll ever love. That's not a negative stereotype. Oh, that you know, you don't see people going on and, and saying, like, let's take a look back at Jaws 2. Now, through a different lens. No, nobody says that. They just pretend the only Jaws movie is Jaws. Because there are no negative, toxic Jaws fans. And for that reason, me, no-brainer. Jaws, get out of here, Star Wars. What are you going to do, cut me with your lightsaber? 
Jaws moves on to the second round of our greatest film of all time tournament. What's next? How about number four, E.T., the extraterrestrial, E.T. Fun Home, against Titanic. I'll never let go, Jack. I can't do a Kate Winslet. I can do an E.T., as you just heard. Two movies that mean a lot to a lot of people, made a lot of money. You know, invariably, high-quality films. You know, when you're looking at E.T., you're looking at a story with a great message at the heart of it. You know, it's, it's a story of childhood. It's a story of coming of age. Uh, and it's a story that teaches kids, if you find some sort of weird creature in the woods, bring them in the house. What's the worst that's going to happen? And I think in today's world, what with the UFO balloons and all that stuff, it's especially pertinent. You know, that let, maybe, maybe your child's going to wander around the woods, find themselves an E.T. Wouldn't you want them to bring them in the house? I certainly would. Especially if he was a nice guy like E.T. was. Plus, you got that scene where he's wearing that funny wig and he gets drunk and then the kid gets drunk at school. That's yeah, crazy stuff. So that's that's the case for E.T. Titanic, on the other hand, incredibly impressive filmmaking. You know, a, a very basic story, but it works. You got the stuff with the old lady at the end. People love the old lady. Uh, I throw in the thing over the edge. That's beautiful. But what a what a wonderful ending. And it's got a lot of a lot of real uh, uh, strong class messages in it. Uh, it's, it's again, another, it's a parable about society, much, much in the way E.T. is. Uh, and it's the first time I ever saw boobs in a movie. So, you know, I don't like to really inject my own personal opinion into it, but E.T. really scared me as a boy because that part where him and Elliot run into each other in the woods and they scream, E.T. goes, oh, I would run out of the room if I saw the the Amblin Entertainment logo because I thought my parents were putting on E.T. to torture me. I would run away. Titanic, on the other hand, you know, I'd run out of the room if that was on, but it wasn't wasn't because I was scared. Uh, that's disgusting. We're gonna move Titanic on though. Titanic's it's just it's just got more going on. E.T., sorry, I'll be right here in the first round with the rest of the fucking losers. E.T. is eliminated. Now we've got the sound of music against the Ten Commandments. Whew, well, talk about, talk about a one-way ticket to being accused of being an anti-Semite. Picking the movie with the Nazis in it against the Ten Commandments? I think not. Smarter than that. Ten Commandments moves on to the next round. And finally, it's the matchup everybody's been waiting for. Gone with the Wind against Dr. Zhivago. Uh, I never saw Dr. Zhivago. I saw 20 minutes of it once, and my mother and sister were watching it, and they both commented on how handsome Omar Sharif was, and I had to agree. He was incredibly handsome in the film. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I know it's really long. Gone with the Wind, also really long. Gone with the Wind also definitely has, like, racism stuff. Dr. Zhivago, though, might have racism stuff. I don't know. And I just think in, in the spirit of being anti-racist, which this program is now and always shall be, we have to go with something that might be racist as opposed to something that objectively is. So that's it. Dr. Zhivago is moving on to the semifinals of the greatest film of all time tournament. We've got Dr. Zhivago now pitted up against Titanic. Omar Sharif, Leonardo DiCaprio, a pair of heartthrobs on the cover of 
Tiger Beat in all the teen magazines for years after the film came out. Years, I tell you. You wonder, I wonder if Dr. Zhivago is anything like Dr. Strange. You think he had powers? I don't know. I actually came out like before they were doing the superhero movies. So my guess is he's just, yeah, he's very, there's a lot of romance and things like that. Also a lot of romance in Titanic, obviously. You know, people love a love story when they go to the theaters. Titanic, though, uh, it got a couple of problems. You know, Titanic, it's a little bit of a basic story when you really strip it of its externals. A lot of kind of silly things happen. There's some real plot holes. Uh, and I don't know any of the plot holes in Dr. Zhivago. I've never seen the fucking thing. So Dr. Zhivago's moving on to the finals. That's right. We've got one half of our greatest film of all time final matchup, Dr. Zhivago. And will it be Dr. Zhivago against the Ten Commandments or Jaws. Come on. Tight, two-hour movie about a giant shark attacking Amity or 15 hours of, of let my people go, uh, you know, no, okay, no, okay. And the Red Sea parts, and that's really impressive. But this time, ladies and gentlemen, this time when that Red Sea parts, there's a big, great white waiting for Moses, swallowing him up whole. The Ten Commandments is out. And Jaws is in. It's the finals. It's time to determine the greatest movie of all time. On one side, Dr. Zhivago. On the other side, Jaws. And when you get right down to it, Jaws features three all-time great performances. Roy Schneider, Robert Shaw as Quint, who, uh, come on, who doesn't love Quint? The USS Indianapolis speech, that is incredible stuff. Richard Dreyfus, great. You've got a big old shark who's up to no good. That is, a, that is a plot line we can all wrap our heads around. You show Jaws to anyone, any culture, any creed, any language, you know, and you say, all right, here's the look, here's the first couple minutes. This girl goes out in the ocean and a shark eats her. You know the stakes right away. There's a big fucking shark around. And that's not good for business. And these three guys got to go out and get the shark. That's what a, what a story. Plus, you get classic lines like, you're going to need a bigger boat. There was the incredible Jaws ride, Jaws the ride, at Universal Studios, both Florida and Hollywood. Uh, the iconic John Williams score. Uh, and you've got the, you know, there's a great jump scare in there. That dead body kind of looks like Uncle Fester pops out. And, whoa, you know, you got everything. There's something for everybody when it comes to Jaws. It's not just for dads. Everyone, everyone can enjoy the film Jaws. That's the case for Jaws. What's the case for Dr. Zhivago? I've never seen it. I don't know. I... I I don't know anything about it. And it's hard, you know, it's gotten to the finals, but it's difficult now to kind of justify. It could be, it could be awful. I know Jaws is great. 
I know Jaws made a lot of money. I know Jaws is the greatest film ever made. We've determined it. It's settled fact. This is Cool Dad's Basement. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it's gotten right to my head wherever I may roam by land or sea or foam Oh, boom.